0: Hey podcast listener, welcome to Eat Half, Walk Double. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. This show is the chronicle of my four decades in endurance sports, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way, and I sure have met my share. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, And the secrets to living well along the way on today's show i get the chance to chat with professional productivity coach timothy lindsey in addition to being an expert in the field of producing extraordinary results he also happens to be a great friend neighbor and business partner several years ago he gave me a book that transformed my personal and professional life the book is the one thing the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results because he uses this book professionally I don't know anyone more qualified to expound on the key concepts. If you want to achieve extraordinary results, give a listen to the next ninety minutes. So here he is, Tim Lindsay. Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, buddy, how are you?
0: Hey, I, I'm I'm doing I'm doing really well. I I, I truly appreciate you taking the time to. Uh, uh, to sit down and uh, and chat a little bit, we've got we've got a we've got a lot of things a lot of things to cover. Um, you know, for for full transparency for mm-hmm. for the listener, um, uh, not only are you and I really good friends, but we're also neighbors. Um, and in in addition to that, you and I have, have had the opportunity to work together. I mean, we we're, we're we're actually. Both, both past and present, uh, in the present sense, you and I are co-race directors along with your wife, Janina. Uh, we uh, collectively. Well, and, and 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 I'm horrified to state, uh, it's going to be somebody's senior project this year. <laughs> th- uh, that's a that's a very very good Aiden point. Is it,
1: in charge of the uh, the race
0: this it, year. It it it's truly a family affair. We are prisoners year. and passengers on this boat. <laughs> <laughs> collectively myself and 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 the Lindsay clan uh yeah. uh race direct the uh, kingman farm uh, trail race uh here in madbury new hampshire uh each summer uh and 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 then sort of in in the past context you and i uh have worked together uh in a coach athlete relationship uh in the past as well mm-hmm. uh and so it, you know we, we 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 have quite a history together and uh yep. And uh, I, I think um, I, I think we uh, well, I know we share a lot of things in common, uh, I mean, not only the things that we that I just described, but also professionally, you and I, uh, you and I are in the same profession now that that is where we're, we're both professional coaches. Now, we we coach different people and we coach in different arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, but but ultimately, you know, our, our I mean, our philosophies are really are the same. And uh I mean I, I'm sure you won't you won't disagree when 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 I say that that um that our philosophies probably mirror each other in so much as you know I believe that uh that performance results from productivity and sure. productivity occurs when uh when action is prioritized. Correct. And 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 priority is only possible when you have a foundational purpose, right? And I think
1: as coaches, our, our largest challenge is to help because everybody loves to strategize, right? Let's get in a room. We'll take copious notes. We'll put together a great plan. It's taking the strategy and marrying it to execution. And the glue that holds those two things together is the individual, right? So there's only so much that you can do with endurance athletes. There's only so much I can do with, uh, with the, the realtors that I coach uh, in the industry. And at some point, uh, they've got to get to doing the things.
0: Yeah. You know, Tim, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting that you, that you presented that way. I I was just having a discussion with someone earlier today. Um, you know, when, 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 when someone asked me, you know, like what, what, what what do coaches do? Uh, and, and, and what I said to them is that, you know, coaches teach habits, right? Clients or athletes or, or, or realtors, Mm -hmm. um, they, they execute, Success or they execute performance. Co- In my opinion, coaches don't coach performance; they coach habits. Because you, 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 and I both know that um, when when your when your realtors when my athletes execute these these habits consistently, mm-hmm. then then you know good outcomes are going to are, are going to happen. Do, do you believe that that's the case?
1: Yeah. There's well, there's uh, the A word and the C word, and we're not about to be inappropriate. So the A word is accountability. And the C word is consistency. Like whatever you're going to do, and we're going to drill down on this, uh, talking about the one thing, uh, whatever your one thing is going to be, if, if you uh, hammer that nail every day, right? It's like just as long as you're, you're consistently doing the same thing, because there's 15 different ways to Sunday that somebody could uh, get into real estate and, and start to build their business by, by getting people to agree to list their house with them. Uh, what are you gonna do every day to make sure that conversation is taking place consistently, right? And, and then for our for the athletes in the conversation, um, what are you doing on a regular basis and that we're going to talk about discipline and and habits, right? Because I, I think as kids, everybody hears discipline, they're like, oh, I'm in trouble. Sister Mary Agnes called the house. I'm in trouble, right? So like discipline has a very negative connotation for most human beings. And it's not about being disciplined. It's about holding discipline long enough to create the habit.
0: Yeah, so true. Cuz the
1: bad habit is meet me at the bar. Yeah, Everybody's so in. I'll see you there at 4:30. I'll leave yeah. I'll leave work early, but but a good habit or a beneficial habit is one that takes time.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, I so appreciate you using the word consistency because um, (laughs) my athletes will probably will chuckle when they, when they hear this conversation and and hear that you brought up that word Mm. uh, because I, I I use that word so commonly and so frequently. Sure. Um, uh, I mean, I truly believe that consistency is the most powerful training variable as, as we're talking about athletic sure. performance, sure. uh, that it's not, it's not how long you go. It's not how hard you go. It's really, it's how consistently do you, do you perform the behavior? Um, yeah. and, and, and I think, but I think that's hard for people to wrap their heads around, you know, initially because they get so hung up in, you know, how long do I have to go or, or how right. hard do I have to go or, or how high do I have to climb? It, 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 yeah. it has less to do with that. And it has more to do with do what you do, but do it consistently. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's nobody's,
1: uh, you know. I mean, and I think we both know this uh, from a from a weight standpoint. Somebody who's getting to game weight, um, that's nutrition based for the most part. Sure. Would you? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's ninety nine percent what you're doing with your fork, um, and whether you're holding yourself accountable to what you're actually doing with your fork, and then above and beyond that, it's it's if you're doing that on a regular basis. Well, then then the number is going to change in a positive way. And if you're going to the gym on a regular basis or if you're running your miles on a regular basis, it's not worried about doing 18 every day. Are you getting out and running your your 5K, your 3.1 every day and just creating that habit of doing that? And then it gets to the point I remember when I when I first started to run after I lost my weight, it was um, looking down at my feet and they were just moving. And I actually had the, I actually had the thought like, do we have enough milk at home? You know, (laughs) you're not like, oh, this sucks. I'm going to die. I hate my life. Right. You just, you start to think other thoughts. And I think we both said this, like you probably come up with some of your best ideas and a lot of athletes will come up with some of their best ideas for their business or whatever they do outside of that physical discipline when they're doing what frees them. We were always, you and I have always been proponents of like, you know, you see people running their marathons and stuff like that, and they're wearing earbuds and nothing against music. We know that it drives an endorphin for people. But I think if you, if you let nature just happen to you while you're out running or riding or whatever you're doing, it creates such a sense of clarity and it just I, I, yeah, clears I mean, the cash and lets
0: people think at a higher level for sure. Uh, I, 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 I think, I think that is, I think that is so true. I probably have had, I probably had. 10 times as many good ideas when I was out exercising yep. as I ever had, you know, sitting yep. at my desk thinking, what is, what is the next best thing? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost always happens as it relates to movement. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you um, that, that you, that you mentioned um, your uh, you know, physical activity um, because I, I, I want to make sure that, that the listener understands too, that um, that, that not only are you, in my opinion, uh, the leading expert on productivity, uh, as it relates to oh, all things. Wow as it, but as it relates to all as it relates to all things, specifically sure. as it relates to the to the real estate industry, but but mm-hmm. clearly your knowledge of productivity is applicable um, to all people, particularly particularly endurance athletes. But I do think it's important for the listener to understand that you also have some street cred when it comes to endurance sports yourself, okay? So not only are you an expert in productivity, at, you know in the in the real estate sector uh, sure. <laughs> but you also have some cred uh sure. in the endurance world in fact um, i have I've to me. Through
1: many a race, Christopher. <laughs>
0: it's so, it's so very true. You'll have to remind me, um, how many, how many Boston, and this is cause this is timely, even though when this, when this, when this broadcast airs, um, uh, the Boston marathon, you know, at, uh, at the time of airing, uh, the Boston marathon will probably be several weeks uh, in the rearview mirror, but mm-hmm. it is, but it is timely. Um, yep. uh, remind me how many, how many Boston marathons, uh, did you finish? Uh, now that's important. There's an asterisk there that eventually we'll cover, but how many Boston, Mar- you know what? I'll, I'll state it differently, Tim. Yeah. How many Boston marathons did you start? Um, so five. Thank
1: you. So uh, completed 4.9 with the adjunct uh, when they reopened Boylston. And that's a story for another time. When they reopened Boylston, uh, we'll have to tell the, the mile 22 story at some point in the, in the future. Um, I did go back and complete the year of the bombing.
0: OK, yeah, it was,
1: and we found out on the news the night before they're going to reopen Boylston and we went and she dropped me off and we got that done. And we'll tell that story later. But yeah, okay. so okay. five right. Boston's um, uh, a handful of other marathons, the mile Standish, um, a couple of base dates and the one in the woods. That we will not <laughs> speak of the Voldemort of trail races. It, it was supposed to be a twenty six two. It was like a thirty one six. And as I said to my wife when I cleared the woods, if you had moved on and met somebody else, I would understand. Because I was in the woods, no shame, tons of shame for seven and a half hours. You
0: you you were, I remember I got my money's I, worth, Chris. <laughs> I remember I remember being at the finish line. And helping the race organizers break down the big, uh, the 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 big carnival tent that they rented sure. because you know what else were we going to do as we were waiting for you to finally finish? Sure. Um. And and uh, oh, but on
1: this conversation, I don't think I was the last human to
0: leave the woods. I, I don't think, think I, you. Were I don't not. think I was last, which is horrifying that somebody actually came in behind me. <laughs> you were. You. And my recolle- My recollection is that you were not last. But getting back to the Boston Marathon, <laughs> it was a two-day stage race. It was. Getting, but... getting back to the Boston Marathon, um. I'm always interested in because the Boston Marathon is, I mean, it's a really big deal. Uh, And and for many people, it's a bucket list item. You you know, I I think, I think, I mean, you and I both know people who, you know, streakers that have done the Boston Marathon an an ungodly number of times. But Scotty Graham. Scotty Graham is one um, who, by the way, I will have on the show eventually to talk about that. that, that He's a golden god. Which, which just, which, Actually, that streak includes a couple of years where he he ran a virtual Boston Marathon on a high school athletic track. Yeah. A a story for another day. That
1: involves a psychotherapist and a leather
0: recambier, But we'll get to that later. Yeah. He's a maniac. (laughs) The point the point being for a lot of people, the Boston Marathon is a one and done. So Mm. so the first Boston Marathon experience is always a special experience. I'm so what I want to know is what was your first Boston Marathon experience?
1: Uh, well, the coolest thing is I went out for my, because uh, as people that run marathons know, you get to, um, if you're getting ready for Boston, it's usually like that March 26th weekend where you run your 20. Um, and uh, this is the day before, two days before, I went out and ran my last little jaunt in our neighborhood. And the coolest thing happened is I was running, I don't know if you remember this, I was running up the hill from my house just to get like three in. Well, it would have been three up and three back, about six in. And I ran into you and we had like, you know, I I joke with my agents all the time. The most difficult real estate to own is the five and a half inches between your ears. And my head was full of all, all the crappy thoughts and just like, you know, and I had to clear some demons and I'm just out running. And I ran into you and we had a great conversation. And I walked back in and I said to Janina, that was serendipitous to run into you. Then we get to Hopkinton. And I take off, and this was my first and my best. And we'll talk about consistency and all that stuff because as I got, you know, once you you get to your second Boston, your third Boston, and one of those was the heat wave Boston year two, that's right, where they said if you had never run before, you shouldn't run. It's and so true, Scotty man. Graham, God bless him, said you're probably going to lose. I forget what he said, thirty minutes because of the heat, and I lost exactly thirty minutes because it was like a four fifty for me. Right. My my first Boston was a four nineteen. Never accused of being fast, thank God. And. You were so upset with me in a loving coaching way um, because I told you when I finished, I took on no nutrition and I only drank water the whole time. And you were like, what are you thinking? I was horrified. I was horrified and surprised that you didn't die. And this is the dumbest story. um, And this uh, anybody who knows me well knows that I can be a princess sometimes. So my big thought was. I'm not going to drink Gatorade because I don't want to spill it all over me. And I'll be sticky for the whole race. It'll ruin my hair. So I'm mile, mile one. There's no, there's no nutrition. There's no support. You get to mile two and they typically go Gatorade, then Poland spring. And I'm running on the center line because everybody that had run Jim Johnson and all the superstars are like, just run the center of the road, king of the mountain, run the stay on the yellow line. And I'm running on the yellow line and this lady sees the Gatorade and she cuts across and trips me. So in my effort, Christopher, to not spill Gatorade on me, mile two of Boston, my first ever, what am I laying in on the asphalt? Gatorade. Because <laughs> it's everywhere. It's like people spittle and Gatorade and all this crap. And I got up and I'm like, oh, dear God. Um, I finished. I remember getting to Heartbreak Hill and getting down into Cleveland Circle. And I'm going I'm to drop it into fifth gear. There was no fifth gear because I hadn't taken on any nutrition. Completely uneducated in preparation for the race. I did everything I needed to do, and I'm I'm fully confident that if I had taken on any electrolytes, any, any, I probably would have been a sub four, um, but I 419 was my best Boston. They progressively got worse because I progressively decided I was an expert and I was just going to get slower and worse at running Boston every year. So I did that for five years, all for charity, of course, Children's Hospital for four for four of them and then Flutie Foundation for the fifth.
0: Yeah. So tell me, t- t- tell me. Tell me about your experience um, uh, uh, in in the Chestnut Hill area uh, as a as a BC alum, right? I mean, you you obviously went to school. You went to school. You went yes. to school at BC. Yeah. Uh, and so you obviously you 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 had some experience. You had some knowledge of what happens on. On on Patriots Day, yes, um, with this giant race running by the the, the BC campus, yes. and everything that's associated with that. So you yes. experienced that as a as a the as Jesuits a like to call
1: it unbridled frivolity. Um, there's a different <laughs> word for it, but yeah. So um... so you
0: but but you had experienced it as an undergrad, and then here you are, right? Years later, mm-hmm. you are you are actually you're 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 racing up to that point. Yeah. Um, tell me about because people. I love hearing stories about people's first time listening to the co-eds, um, at, you know, when you arrive you know, at or near campus and how deafening it can be and how yeah. uplifting it can be. What was your experience when you when you got to the Chestnut Hill area?
1: Well, emotionally getting to B.C. for me was awesome. Um, and it's nothing compared to the Scream Tunnel at Wellesley there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no difference. Um, I mean, there's no comparison I should say. Uh, yeah, super cool. Because just like you've thought about, like, I I remember when I first decided I think I want to run Boston and what that would be like and then getting there and then, and then, you know, uh, and again, we'll tell the story the other time, another time about uh, the year of the bombing, uh, that that's when I was receiving tragic news about what was happening. So it's, it's, um, it's a two-sided coin for sure. Um, the, the, the feeling of getting there and, um, and knowing that you're, your first time, fresh, your freshman year running Boston, you think, okay, heartbreak hill over, drop into Cleveland Circle. That's when your quads and your glutes show up. That's when your lack of electrolytes show up. And then you turn and you look up and you, and you, you have in your head as a Bostonian, as a New Englander, I'm going to make the left into Cleveland Circle and I'll be able to see the Sitco sign. No, she lives a few miles away. You don't see that. And then when you do see that, and you're like, that's right by the finish line. No, it's not. Now mind you, again, my best ever was a 419. Um, the Kenyans are home. And not like <laughs> at their hotel home, they're, ho- they're the hotel, airport, home, showered, watching it on their news network. <laughs> like that poor old Irishman, you know? So uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible what you build up in your head is I'll, I'll turn left into Cleveland circle. I'm going to see the Sitco sign and we're golden. And there's a lot of that. Robert Frost miles to go before you sleep at that point.
0: Well, I, I mean, I do, I do think, I do think part of that is that heartbreak Hill gets a lot of the publicity. Like it is yep. like it is, it is the, it. It would seem to be that Heartbreak Hill is billed as the crux of the Boston Marathon, but sure. to your point, um, <laughs> it's not downhill, uh, you know, and an easy cruise to yeah. the finish, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, the, the heavy lifting,
1: especially in my my freshman year of running it, uh, the heavy lifting came when you were truly out of gas. There was no coast, there was no fifth gear, and for people that are prepared, uh, you know, and then, you know, I just could never put it together after that because then I was like smarter with my nutrition, but I hadn't trained appropriately. Um, and as the years went on and I wasn't training appropriately and, and misbehaving with cookies and craft beer, you know, I was carrying more weight than I should have been. So all those things came into play, but that first year, uh, for sure, I think it's, uh, you're misunderstood. And I think people that when they go there, cause we always take that road every time we go to a BC football game or anytime we're going to BC athletics and to be with somebody and they're driving, like, I don't really get it. It's not really a hill. I'm like, Okay. So you have to understand that that right hand turn at the firehouse in Newton is where it really starts. Like to me, in my head, mile 17 is a four mile stretch to the heights at B.C. And then in earnest, it starts at the bottom where you have the Johnny Kelly statue and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is a gradual climb. It's like leaving. It's like leaving my house in our neighborhood, Chris. It's it's not a big climb, but it's all up. Right. It's gradual, but it's all up. And that that heartbreak hill is just at the time, because mile 20, we should talk about 5Ks and craft services tables. Mile 20 is where you usually physically, chemically hit the wall. And, and hitting the wall and then having to be heartbreak all
0: in one is... Um, delicious there's no other well, way to put it well I, I mean i i think you're exactly right that it's that it's 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 when heartbreak hill occurs yes. i also think too that uh at least at least for the boston marathon uh a, a part of it is you know that there's there's a considerable amount of downhill early in the race and i was just gonna get, say you're leaving hopkinton you you feel like i'm a superhero people no get stupid you're running
1: downhill yeah people and get really excited there too right yeah because you they, could light both fuses going downhill leaving hopkinton when you don't realize you're and 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 we're at your at some point for sure because i'm a geologist you're definitely below sea level you have all the oxygen you could need you're right you know just buckets of oxygen and then you get to heartbreak hill and you've you're spending four miles gradually running up it's a really different experience and there's a reason they. i mean rome london all these places that i haven't and probably will never run um Awesome, but nothing like Boston. Yeah, there's I, just yeah. nothing like it. I totally agree. For you know, sure, you
0: you mentioned the word serendipity, and it, it actually got me thinking about about a quick story that I want to tell to set up set up the the rest of the conversation. And that is, um, a, a number of years ago, after you and I had worked together in a in a coach athlete relationship, uh, you gave me a book mm. called The One Thing. Mm. And um, at the time, uh, I wasn't a I wasn't a voracious reader. And so the book um, um, the, the book was placed on my bookshelf mm-hmm. and it sat there for quite some time, many, 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 many months yep. um, until until uh, Karen and I um, were taking a trip to the West Coast. And I like to bring books with me on long plane rides because it gives mm-hmm. me something to do. And sure. so I looked at, in, at my bookcase and I saw this book and I thought, well, th- this would be a great opportunity to read the book. Now, initially, when you gave me the book, one of the reasons why I didn't dive right into it is that I mistakenly thought that it was a book about real estate. Mm. OK, um, yes, sir. And, and you'll you'll in a moment, uh, I'll have you talk uh, about the, the two authors, but the primary author and, 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 and the listener will understand why I thought it was a book about real estate. And so yeah. while I respected the fact that, you know, you thought this book was important enough to me that you actually gave me a copy, sure. um, I wasn't highly I wasn't terribly inspired to read it because I didn't really I didn't get it. Well, mm. I took that book with me on that West Coast trip. And not only did I read it once on the flight to Washington state, I read it twice. Um, And then I read it a third time on the, the, on the trip back East, the book for me became an integral part of my coaching philosophy. Um, I mean, I've, I've been inspired by, a couple of uh, other works uh of, of literature
1: the warrior's um, way right
0: the rock warrior's way being, the rock warriors way, yeah, yep, yep. Be, being probably the most prominent mm-hmm. um but this book um this book also uh has shaped me as a coach i coach differently i i well i don't specifically coach to this book sure i use a lot of the principles in this book this book was transformative for me um and it was only after I read it that I fully appreciated and understood why you gave me the book, why you wanted me to read it. Mm. It had nothing to do obviously with, with, with real estate. It had everything to do. There's with still time being, to get your license though, Chris. Keep going, <laughs> it keep had going. everything to do with being a more effective coach. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, um, the, 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 way that the book is, 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 is outlined and organized, uh, I think sets up really well for uh, a series of podcasts. Sure. Um, Today, uh, I want to go over the first part of. The Am book. I already so, getting welcome back? This is very exciting. Uh, I, I I'm just not sure the listener is going to want to listen to me for two straight hours. So we'll we'll, we'll work to break, break the conversation bite up into sized, two pieces. So yeah. yeah, so that so that we can spend enough time uh, uh, with with each part. But basically, the way the book is outlined is it, it's a. I should also say, too, that the subtitle of, of the book, so the, the title of the book is The One Thing, the subtitle is The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. Mm. The book is essentially organized in the three parts, the lies, the truth, and extraordinary results. Mm-hmm. Today, I, I, want, I, want to, I, I want you to talk about the lies uh, and, and, and to, to position you appropriately in this conversation, um, this book, um, The One Thing was written by one of the founders of keller williams realty mm-hmm. uh who you work for um yep. and it, it is a book that is uh that is promoted within the organization and sure. i know you promote it very strongly within the agents that you coach sure um so so the book is really important to you i suspect uh, as a professional yeah um today i want to talk about i, I want to talk about um uh uh, the first part, which is the lies, um, but I've got an, I've, I've got a question for you. Uh, two questions for you, though. But before we before we get into what those what those lies are, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's interesting, and I and I wonder what your thoughts are about this. So the the, the way the way the authors present these these subjects are, as I said, in that order: mm-hmm. the lies, the truth. And extraordinary results. My first question to you is, why do you think the authors present the lies before they present the truths?
1: Uh, to ad- immediately address limiting beliefs. We talk about it all the time uh, at our company and in our conversations with agents, and, and I'm sure you have these conversations exhaustively with, with athletes. Um, if we can address the elephant in the room, as it were, and address the limiting beliefs or identify what a limiting belief is, so as they continue to crop up, we can at least handle that and address it and move on, right? And it's not about telling people you're wrong. As coaches, my job as a coach is to help um, is to help the individual think differently, right? Uh, I say it all the time. Uh, my fearless leader here at our at our office in in Portsmouth, Nate. Uh, I'll catch him all the time and be like, Don't "Tell me how to feel," right? The last thing we want to do if we're going to help move people forward is tell them how to feel that is, that is their experience, right? Our job is to help them think differently. And ultimately you'll hear Gary say this too. uh, Job as a coach is to help somebody think differently so they can get what they want when they want it. Right. And that's all about correlating and having them author their goal and say, Hey, uh, Chris, I want to be ready for this stage race. I want to be ready for um, uh, Leadville. I want to be ready for the Boston marathon. And then you guys put together a plan they're all about the execution. Your job is accountability. You know, I mean, that's really why we're here. I say to my, I say to my people all the time, like, listen, I, I'm not here to be your friend. Nathan hired me to be the, in the room, right. You know, the, 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 uh, the a-hole in the room and ultimately moving forward. If you're not happy with me for 364 days, when we get to December 31st, you know what? Uh, he's a pain in my ass and it worked. And that's really what we're there for. And now we don't develop interpersonal relationships with our people in, 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 in both of our roles. Uh, but the, the crux of what we're supposed to do is hold them accountable to their goals, to their goals. We don't author their goals. There's if they don't have buy-in, if they don't leave my office feeling, I put this together empowered and and backed by my coach, then there's no buy-in. I I
0: totally, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, You you know, my 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 second question, uh, just just about how the book is organized, Mm. is um, there are so 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 the authors present um, six lies Mm. and three truths. Why do you think there are twice as many lies as there are truths? Uh, Because we love to skate to the puck that is negative. Okay. All right. Excellent. Right. Well, excellent hockey analogy, but I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some help working through that one. Well,
1: I, I say this to people all the time. Who do you spend the
0: most time with? Well, you probably spend the most time with your family. You know what? No. That's probably not true. You probably spend more time with your coworkers. I don't know, Tim, you got, you got me there.
1: You spend the most time with you. <laughs> okay, right. Thank you. You're you sp- you spend every waking player. moment with you and our internal monologues, which are usually laden with negativity and limiting beliefs and get and moving away from no, but and moving to yes. And right. And if we if we if we can start to have more yes and conversations. Right. And just on, like the potential you've seen in athletes to make life-changing nutritional decisions, physical decisions, uh, physical achievements through races, all of that is because they decided to unlock something and have yes and conversations with themselves. If you think about some of the stuff, some of the internal monologues that we have with ourselves in our own quiet time, and then you wrote it down and said, now read that to somebody. Would you ever say that to Chris? Would you ever say that to Karen? Would you ever say that to Braden? And you're like, no, that'd be rude. Well, why are you saying it to you? Right. So I think to address the, the, the lies, and you'll hear Gary call them myth, um, myth understandings, right? There's just a, there's a lot of things that we constantly tell ourselves that people will hold on to because what every, every person on the planet does is they wake up, they decide what their truth is, which is usually a lie, and then they spend the rest of the day searching for the evidence to edify that story. know i i i could never finish the boston marathon now i'm gonna spend all day figuring out how to make sure i I, I just wrote the cover of the book how do chapter one right and we just we we search all day making sure that we tell ourselves you're not wrong you are right you can't as opposed to yes and i can run the boston marathon yes and and how do i build that plan and then who do i say you know this and and most people that have been successful at anything in their professional life in 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 any when you were successful, there was usually accountability of some sort, and it's usually tied to a person, right? Anytime you hit an achievement ceiling, it's usually d- due to lack of a tool, a system, or a relationship. And and I, for, for most of your conversations, uh, the tools might be some, the tools might be uh, the right pair of shoes they need, or or the climbing gear they need. The the relationship is the coach usually. And the system is the accountability. What does your calendar look like? Show me your show me your calendar, show me your future. And that's they're gonna be in correlation. You know what's your plan this week to get out and run to be ready for Boston next year? Oh, I didn't do that. Not gonna do that. I've got a I've got a muffin schedule and a craft beer schedule, but I don't have a running schedule. Well, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine tolerating me all day? <laughs> and yet people still people still fight to get on my calendar it's the,
0: great. It, yeah. uh, this conversation is actually bringing back uh, really fond memories actually more than more than more than anything else <laughs> well let's 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 go through let's go through the six lies um sure. that uh, keller and, and papasan talk about yeah. in the book um because i i i mean i really think these are these are fascinating and to your mm. point um what, what did you say? You got to, you got you to skate to the negative puck. I, I or you skate yeah. harder to the negative puck. In other words, I think what you're saying as I understand the hockey analogy is, when the when the puck is in your zone, uh, you're going to work harder to get it out of the zone. Like in other words, when you're in negative territory, you, to use a football analogy, when you're on your own yeah. one yard line, heading yeah. you know going out of the end zone, try you got to go 99 yards for a touchdown. You're going to block just a little bit harder. Uh, you're going to run. You're going to run with a little bit more aggression. Um, when you're when you know when when you are in negative territory, you got to work a little bit harder. I kind of like that like that idea
1: well in skating <laughs> to the negative puck too is is you know there's a there's a and this is actually a quote from the office i don't know if you remember this it was when jan was sitting with pam and pam was talking about getting into marketing and doing something i think something with art actually and jan stopped her mid-sentence because she was talking about all the reasons she couldn't do it and jan put her hand on pam's hand and she's just like there's a million reasons to not do something <laughs> right it's making the decision we we have to help all of our people be decision makers and once you've made the decision and you've chosen to move forward, that's that's where everything changes. So in in the in the the amount of the lies, as opposed to the amount of the truths, there's more of them because we're just really good at coming up with them. Yeah, true. Like I, I can give you a million reasons that's why true. somebody's not going to get home from work and go run or ride or whatever, because there's that's all true. these other things. Yeah, and that
0: goes right to the first lie.
1: Everything, well, and I, yeah, everything and I,
0: everything matters equally. Nope. Yeah. Well, and I also think when it comes to the the concept of decisional balance, right? That mm-hmm. is to say, you know, if if we think about behavior, um, and 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 the movement toward behavior as um, as a result of of um, of a simple scale in mm-hmm. which there are two sides of the scale. On mm-hmm. one side of the scale are all the reasons not to. On the other side of the scale are all the reasons to. Okay. Yep. Now, in my opinion, um. Not all of the reasons not to, uh, uh, and not all of the reasons to are equally weighted. In other words, yeah. just because yep. you have six reasons not to do something doesn't mean that you've got to have seven reasons to do something in order to tip the scale in your favor. For one because reason has
1: to be powerful enough.
0: That's correct. Every, yep. every, reason, every reason comes with its own individual intensity. So, mm-hmm. so interestingly enough, the first of the, first of the lies is that everything matters equally. Um, Help the listener understand why. Why is that a lie? Why. Why. Why don't things all matter equally? I. I thought. I thought equality was what we were striving for. Well,
1: if you think about and and what what Gary gets into and Jay get into in the book is is Pareto's law, right? So the, the it's Pareto's law, the theory, the eighty twenty rule, and this goes across all conversations. And Pareto was an Italian philosopher realized that twenty percent of the people own eighty percent of the land, and that sort of works out. In all the things, Um, if you talk about uh, an organization, I talk about an industry, um, let's talk about the marathon. 20% of the runners that ran in the marathon on Monday over the course of time will win 80% of the races. And 20% of the people in your sales organization will do 80% of the business. Uh, And that, so then we have to chunk that down to the day. So there's, there's, and this is where the title comes from. There's one thing, you know, and what, then it says right in the the opening of the book, what is the one thing that you could do that such by doing makes everything else um, easier or unnecessary. And for a lot of our athletes, it's going to be get up and go for that run. Uh, Make a better nutritional decision, you know, and there's a, those, there, there could be a lot of one things, but in the moment, what's most important. So as you start to break up your day and this, and most of our athletes and most of the people that you work with um, and you have a lot of semi-pro and professional athletes you work with, but a lot of these people are trying to figure out getting ready for their next event and heading off to Biberty mutual. Right? So when it comes to their athletic prowess, like what is my 80, 20 rule there? I know that I have 20% of my 20% of my efforts are going to create eighty percent of my success. So what's the one thing that I can do today that will, take care of that category of my life. And it's in here. They've got the seven buckets, right? Your physical, your faith, your job, your interpersonal relationships. So in that regard with your, with your, your, your physical prowess, like what's the one thing that you could do. And if it's go for a run, do it. And, and then eat your vegetables, that whole theory of eating your vegetables first, do it in the morning. And they talk about this in the book as well is will call is not, is not always, always available. Like willpower is not a will call. Like we get, we get to grab our phones, and probably I've got a charger on my desk. You plug it in at the house, whatever the case may be. But when your battery's dying on your phone, you can plug it back in. And yes, the power of a ten-minute nap, sure. And your battery's just going to be drained towards the end of the day. So,
0: yeah. So w- what we know is that uh, achievers have an eye for the essential, mm-hmm. right? The, the the people that achieve greatly know where to direct their energy in other words they they know what their 20 percent is yeah right so r- rather than trying to focus on everything and not focusing on anything yep. they're able to narrow down their focus my question to you is um is uh, how do you help people determine what their 20 percent is what how do you help people to I mean if you take if if you take the Pareto principle to the extreme, you know, it's 20% of 20% is the one thing. Mm-hmm. How do you help people go from tim uh you know these are the 25 things that I need to do to be successful to get them to the the five things that are essential sure. and then down to what their one thing is. How do you help people? How do you help people sort of overcome the the lie that everything matters equally? How do you how do you how do you how do you, how do you how do you employ um, uh, the Pareto principle to the extreme to get to that one thing? Well, everybody's
1: got their, everybody's got their, their genius zone. So uh, for, for the athlete, it's um, you know, what can I be doing and what can the, you know, and again, for, for most of our athletes, they are heading off to their full-time job and they still want to do really well with their upcoming event. So in the given day, when you, everybody does this, when they get to their office or whatever, you make your list, you probably made one today, Chris, did you write down the list of things you're doing today? And there were probably 11 ish, 12 ish things. True. Then the important thing as a, certainly as a business person is to go back through that list and start to decide what does your face have to belong to? Like, what are the things on my list that, that, that I have to be a part of? What are the things on my list that I could, we, I call it do delegate and dump. What do I have to be a part of? <laughs>
0: say okay. Say say that
1: again slowly, because that's really really good. The three Ds: do, delegate, and dump. Okay, I like it. There there are the things that my face has to be a part of. I'm essential in the conversation. There are things on my plate that someone else could do for two reasons: because someone else could do it, or somebody's better than you at it. And this is about parking our ego, right? So if you're if you're you know, and this is you know, if you look at you know, your professional life or as a professional athlete. Tom Brady is not worried about picking up the groceries. Somebody buys them. Tom Brady is not worried about cooking. He has a professional chef, like all those things. So you start to delegate things out and you create leverage. Well, Tim, I'm a, I'm a new athlete. I'm just trying to get ready for my 5k next weekend. Okay. Smaller scale, but you'll grow into that conversation. If that's something you truly want to do. And then there are things on your list invariably every day that no one should touch. No one in your life that you love should touch. And we do this and this is what, this is why so many people, and I know you hear this with your athletes, they get to a certain place in their life where their weight is up or whatever, and it's because we can become yes men and yes women. Because nobody wants to displease the loved ones in their life. So what on your list, if you really look at it, doesn't benefit your business, your physical well-being, or your loved ones. Light it on fire. And that's hard for people to do, but Gary's a big proponent of this. Like uh, eventually if you don't take care of you, you're not going to show up to take care of others.
0: Yes, I, I like say it's that just, all You time. know, we joke
1: about this all the time. You see a lot of old men and a lot of fat men, but you don't see a lot of old fat men. That's true. I'm, I'm picking on me right now because I'm <laughs> carrying around more cookies than I should. Right. But I mean that that's the thing, right. Without fail. So, so um, if you go through the do delegate and dump and really scratch through that, it's super important. And that, and because people has, have their list of all the things they should do. And I remind my agents every day, I do not want you to should all over yourself. Right. <laughs> like the should do list is just a list of stupidity. Get it down to what your face should be part of and then delegate the rest.
0: I, 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 I like the three D's uh, yep. I'm writing that down and I'm using yep. it. The second lie that, uh, that the authors talk about is the, is the lie of multitasking. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, as, 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 interestingly enough as, as human beings I mean it uh, multitasking actually evolutionarily was a was an important was an important thing I mean yeah. p- part of our survival as a species had to yep. do with our ability to uh, you know process the game that we captured earlier in the day while at the same time looking out of the cave to make sure that you know there wasn't any saber-toothed tiger coming mm-hmm. to take dinner mm-hmm. uh, and then and then simultaneous to that also processing you know the the hide of the kill from the day before like mm-hmm. like like evolutionarily we had to evolve i mean that's how we evolved sure. as mul- as multitaskers. except except our lives are infinitely easier now than than yep. they than they were at our origins sure. and yet and yet we have hung on to this belief that we are not only are we skilled at at at, at multitasking but that it's actually a a, a positive trait you know, it's celebrated when you are a multitasker. Yep. So, wh- so why is multitasking a lie?
1: Well, it's a, well, first of all, it, multitasking. You talked about our lives being easier, uh, proliferated by technology, and and the number one thing. Uh, I'm sitting here at my desk. I've got an M1 Mac Mini. It's a smoke show. She flies. She does all the things, and we get stuck in our head with our phones. It's the latency of the human eye that watches our phones or watches any of our tech do things and it feels like they're happening simultaneously. My computer's multitasking. My iPad's multitasking. My phone is multitasking. I'm multitasking. Um, Said with love, no stupid. You're doing a bunch of stuff at once and nothing's being done well. Like just honest conversation, right? So in the grand scheme of things, when we say that we're doing that and the problem is what invariably ends up happening is we have to keep, we have to reorient every time. So uh, they talk about this in the book all the time. And it's so funny because like the, the, sacred, this, the sacred land at most offices, and I know a lot of offices have gone to shared space, which was cool, and then COVID, and now it's cool again, but people are wearing beekeepers hats. We can talk about that later. The sacred ground in most office spaces, oh, you've got you've got a door. Now, what's funny is people don't want to seem like they're shutting people out, so they leave their doors open. But from a productivity standpoint, that is a horrifying thing that people do and like, Oh, come on in. And I was doing, and then I got to get back to like, what was that? I was eating my graham cracker. I was making some notes. <laughs> right. Was I going to call Chris and we have to, we, we lose so much time getting back on task and we can do this to ourselves too. When we're just setting up our schedule, like if, if, and I think when you go, when you go to the gym, there's a leg day, right? There's a, this day, there's a, that day. Cause people just stay in the zone. And it's not that you can't go through and cycle through and do a whole bunch of different exercises, but if you just stay on the one thing, there it is again, and, and stay focused on that and don't get pulled off of that, your productivity, you you'll see gains faster. Yeah, you'll so you'll be more productive for sure. So
0: if if, if distraction is natural mm-hmm. and and uh, distraction also undermines results, mm-hmm. then then how do we how do we declutter? How, how do we how do we create a scenario for ourselves in which we are less distracted? And therefore, to your yep. point, um, yep. it, when we are less distracted, uh, we are less likely to have to continually redirect our energies and we can stay on one thing and work yep. it to its potential. Yeah. Uh, h- how do how do we create uh, how do we create a scenario in which we are in which we aren't as distracted?
1: If you're in an office space, you're building a bunker. And if you're if you're, uh, you know, and a lot of people did this, obviously, with the the advent of, of COVID. What a pleasure. Um, a lot of people built home gyms because their gym that they loved just wasn't open. Um, and if you're going to do that, uh, also make sure it's a space in which you're safe. Right. And I mean that in if I'm going to I'm going to I'm at the office, I'm going to shut my door. I've got my graham crackers. I've got my water. Um, I already went to the men's or ladies room or I have a massive pickle jar under my desk. That's your choice. Um, but Gary calls it, when you go out into the hallway, you get sniped, right? Like, I'm just going to run to the men's room. You're going to get sniped. You're going to run into somebody and they're going to be like, oh, my God, did you see Game of Thrones? I can't believe she lit them on fire. Like, whatever. And you just get lost. But if I can sit down and say, I'm going to do this for this hour, you'll get more done. And that's the difference, differentiation between productivity and busyness, right? So you, so if you know that you can go to your to your home gym and shut the door and employ help letting your family know I'm going down door shut unless everyone's on fire, including the three cats do not bother me and I'll be back. And when I'm back, you'll have all of me as opposed to sporadically me coming up the stairs because somebody can't find the macaroni and cheese, the dog's on fire, like the dog's on fire, but the rest of the family's not don't bother me. And, you know, and I'm just, and leaving a note, we have a lot of people at our office that will leave a note on their door and obviously it's a running joke at our office. Like I'm doing my one thing. Leave me alone. And yeah. some of our agents have, have, have some great signs and it says I'm doing my one thing so I can do this again. It's a picture of them and their family on their last vacation. Yeah. And uh, we're uh, hyper respectful about that in the morning before 12, everyone is doing their thing because most professionals are making appointments in the morning and on them in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, it's uh, defend uh, your uh, greatness. I, I I so appreciate that, that the fact that you you, you mentioned family because I, as as I think about one of my greatest challenges as a professional endurance coach, uh, with respect to helping folks um, increase their productivity, mm. um, you, you know so so often, um, not that family life is distracting, but 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 family life, um, you know as endurance athletes, we, we have obligations, you know, outside of just what our coach has put in training peaks for us. Mm -hmm. We've got family obligations. We've got Mm -hmm. professional obligations. let's put the professional obligations aside for a moment. Family obligations matter, right? Because family is one of those really important things to living a fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I mean, I hate, I hate to think of, of family obligations as being a distraction. Um, um, but, but perhaps in this context, it sort of, it, it fits um you know how do you how do you multi how do you multitask as a parent uh how do you parent and also take care of your own needs at the same time well this is about
1: getting buy-in from your family right Mm -hmm. um you know if and and we do this a lot with uh we have a we have a class at our company called bold and when we're in the seven weeks of bold our agents are you know uh Usually, uh, setting more appointments, doing all the things and just building better businesses because they're purposeful and it's an added layer of accountability to go home to your family. It's to me, it's the bikini photo on the freezer, right? This is where this comes from. So uh, coaches, and I know, um, you and I have these conversations all the time with our people is, do you want to coach to consequence or do you want to coach to, um, celebration? And I, I think a lot of coaches in, in, in professional conversations will say, I'm going to coach consequence. So if you don't do this, what is the negative that happens? And this is, goes right back to skating to the negative puck. Like most people you would think, Hey, if, if, if I'm going to talk about pleasure and pain, most people will work harder to avoid pain than to move to pleasure. Um, as a coach, I've decided that the buy-in is most important. So this is why I coach the celebration. So, all right, Chris, um, you want to you want to complete X by the end of the first quarter. So what I want you to do is go home to your family and let them know that you're going to complete X by the end of the first quarter. And when you do, how would they like to celebrate with you? And it doesn't need to be Disney or the Taj Mahal. It could be it could be going over to the ice house in Rye to get ice cream. But in that moment when you're with your family and everybody's got their chocolate chocolate chip, right? You know you created that moment as small as that moment is you create a time with your family, you're, you're quietly celebrating something you achieved and they all had buy-in. So when they know that you don't have your next listing appointment or whatever, or you didn't run your six miles to be ready for the race on the weekend, they we be like, dad, get up stupid, go run. Or dad, make one more phone call and get the next listing. Cause they've got buy-in and they know about it. And I have my, I have my agents actually send me a picture where they're holding up a piece of paper that says dad's going to X by Y. And when he does, we Z. Yeah. And I know at that point I've got buy-in from the family and that's all that really matters at that point. And that's why I think celebration is stronger than consequence. 97% of coaches on planet earth. will argue with me on that. I'll die on that hill.
0: Uh, I'm in the 3% that, um, okay. that, 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 that 100% uh, agree with you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I talk a lot about um, uh, that uh, rather than fearing failure, Um, we, uh, we, we embrace the joy of achieving greatly, Mm -hmm. which essentially is the same thing. I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I never use fear, uh, as a, as a motivator. I always use the love of achieving greatly as the motivator. It, 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 we share that exact same philosophy.
1: It changes everything. And getting back to real quick about, you know, guarding our time, there's two other categories that I think you love to use moving forward, usually in an office space or even at home. Uh, anywhere where we're, we're being upended by somebody or something, right? Because um, again, our lack of achievement could be tied to the lack of a tool system or relationship, or a negative tool system or relationship. And I'll, I'll, it, it could be two separate people. It's usually the same person. Identify in your life and in a professional environment if you're struggling at work. If in your in your athletic environment you're struggling with your goals, um, track what you're doing. Whether you're tracking nutrition, tracking your, tracking your movement or at the office, if you're tracking 15 minutes, and this sounds really granular, but track your progress at the office in 15 minute quadrants. That's a pain in the ass. Welcome, right? So you do this and what you're going to identify are the, the energy vampires and the time bandits in your life. These people swoop in, load you up with negativity, waste your time while they're doing this, this is why it's usually the same person and then skate off. And you're like, and you're looking like, was I eating my graham cracker? Was I gonna call quit? right? You have to reorient again because you let this moron into your space said with love. So shut your door, guard your space, and start to identify those people. And it's not that you can't have a relationship with them or work with them. Obviously, you're not gonna get a boss and be like, You gotta let Stacy go. She's a pain in my ass. She's my she's my energy vampire. Where did you hear that? Right. <laughs> but if you identify that and then just ask for grace, like, hey Stacy. I can't wait to talk about Game of Thrones ended seven years ago. Um, But my door is shut because I'm going to Hawaii with my family. Cool, awesome. See you at lunch. And if they can't respect that, then they have to have a conversation with themselves about what they are aren't doing for their families.
0: I think, uh, (laughs) I think, I think that scenario plays out in every Hmm, office situation. Thousand percent. Um, I mean, all of the time, and 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 typically um, because these people are co-workers and colleagues we have a certain level of uh, of, a, of a relationship with them and i think it becomes infinitely more difficult to say tim i just can't right now oh yeah because we don't want to we don't want to hurt their feelings mostly because we got to see them tomorrow morning right when they walk in the office um but 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 respect Having respect for your own time, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think, is, I think is, so incredibly, is so incredibly important. You know, n- no, Number three,
1: the, the two streams of revenue that our family want from us are our time and our money,
0: yeah.
1: right? So if you're not getting home faster with more money in your pocket from a professional engagement, your job, then what are you doing? And that's the, 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 that's the hill that we challenge, we're challenged with every day that we're here because all of my people are independent contractors. You know the best part of
0: being a realtor is you're in charge. The worst part of being a realtor is you're in charge. Right? You're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah, it's so true. Mm. Um number number three is 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 infinitely fascinating to me. So the, the third lie is the lie of a disciplined life. Mm. And what Keller says is and he says it he says it point blank he says don't be a disciplined person. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah please help the listener understand uh, why <laughs> why keller says don't be a disciplined person person
1: well because it, you have to there there has to be you have to be fluid right was it i was it i'm trying to i'm struggling who said be like water bruce lee right be like water right yeah we we've got to be fluid and again it's back to discipline and the negative connotation we tie to that we have to create a sense of discipline for long enough for the habit to be habitual right like that's really what it comes down to um, and there's, there's, there's arguments all over the place. Uh, I think for the most part, Gary settled on 66 days. 66 days is the time frame in which you, will cre- you are able to create a positive habit that will stick. I've heard people say 21, I've met me. I'm a 66 day kind of guy. Um, I think that's because at that point, you're doing it effortlessly and actually tied to the one thing website. Um, there's a calendar that you can throw up on the fridge under your bikini photo for the ice cream. And you just check the box. And just make it super simple. If you're struggling with, with incorporating discipline to create a healthy habit or any habit, any positive habit, just start with, um, I'm going to get up and I'm going to meditate or pray or read before I get ready for work. And if you just do that for 66 days, you're done. And if you, if you miss a day, you start over again. You'll eventually get there. And you're also going to find out what's really important to you. Cause your desire to get, I mean, I remember Chris, when I was running, getting ready for Boston, like that's, if you live in new England, you're getting ready for Boston and it's February 12th. It's hard. And the, and you hear the ice hitting the window. My excuse would, I don't want to wait Janina. You know what I needed to start doing? Super simple little thing, but, but protecting my environment and, and, and building my bunker, take the clothes out of the dresser the night before lay yes. and, and lay out, lay out your greatness. Yeah. So So when you wake up, your uniform is ready. Little things like that. Yeah. You know, I I mean, I'm doing that. You're going to start then then getting out the door is easier.
0: Yeah. I I call that I call that physical intention setting. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's intellectual intention setting you you making your mind up the night before. This is what I'm doing tomorrow morning. And then there's the physical intention setting that is laying out your gear uh, outside of the bedroom so that there yeah so that you don't cause that disruption you know keller says something really interesting um in in that chapter in in uh on a disciplined life he says he says in fact you can become successful with less discipline than you think for Mm -hmm. one simple reason success is about doing the right thing not about doing everything right Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's some stuff in
1: there that you're just like, and I, I love that you read it on the airplane because it is an airplane read. I've always joked that it's definitely an airplane read. Um, Yeah. You read some of these things. You're like, well, I knew that. Did you though? Did you, are you sure? You know, just to, to hear it again. And it's, it's, you know, I, as a coach, you know, our job with uh, with your athletes and, and in, in professional conversations, it's just to help them call the right play. And to have them hear the right thing. And that's the other, like, you know, I'll steal from Buddha, right? When the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Because you'll read this. Anybody who reads this book or any book or watches any movie is certain things are going to jump out to you at certain times because your interpersonal relationships are different. Your business is different. You're older. Your family life is different. All that kind of stuff. So to hear that and think about it, I, and that's, that's people's paralysis in getting started, right? And I don't know, all, all the good ones are stolen. So I'm just, I don't even know who to quote for this. Um, you don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And everybody's waiting to be like for, for, yes. for people in professional, especially in a real estate mindset. I'm waiting for my website to be done. I don't know if the baby blue on the back of my business cards is right. That's not keeping somebody from listening with you. You haven't opened your mouth and talked to anybody, right? I don't know if I'll ever run in Boston. Well, no couch to 5k. Let's start there. Put the cookie down, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, You know, drink lots of water
1: and go, go walk a mile and we'll get you to the Boston, right?
0: It's exactly why. See, I have a totally different concept on building habits. Um, I I don't think it takes 66 days. I don't think it takes 80 days. I don't think it takes 22 days. I think it takes one day to build a habit. The point being that, um, that I think people can become paralyzed by the notion of the thousand mile journey. Mm -hmm. When in reality, you don't you don't have to go a thousand miles you literally only have to take one step and then you have to take another step and then another one mm. and another one and eventually you eventually you're moving toward you toward where you need to be so for me rather than rather than setting people up saying you got to do x for certain you know so and so number of days in order for yep. it to become habitualized yep. no really all you need to do is do it today and then you got to, and then tonight, you got to set your intention to do it again tomorrow. Yep. Keep so, doing it one day at a time. Yes. Well, well, I mean, it, it kind of gets to, it kind of gets to, 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 to what, what Keller says in that chapter. And that is build one habit at a time. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm, again, I mean, his, his, his quote is really eloquent. You don't have to do all the things really well. You just got to do, you got to just do the right thing. You got to do the thing that matters the most yes. today.
1: And that's why all things are not equal. Yes. That, that, that there's... So I'm going to, I'm going to throw out one more book real quick. Cause it goes back to the, what you just said. Yes. Um, I, I kept tripping over this, like there's seasons and things keep showing up in your social media. And I'm a TikTok kid. Sorry. Uh, don't, cre- I'm not a creator, just a, just a voyeur, And that sounded gross. So let's, can we erase that? Um, so there's a <laughs> book that I kept hearing quoted. And there was this one guy that kept talking about it. It's from Charlie Mackesy. It's called the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. And it's it's uh, it's sort of like it's not a graphic novel, but it's pictures and words. It's really for your kids. I've been I've been using it for my kids here at the company, and I just usually I use one of them once a week uh, in the morning when I'm talking to all the agents and uh, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. And the quote is a conversation between the horse and the boy and all the characters keep having these little conversations. Like the first one is the the mole asks the boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, kind. Like just simple little breath of fresh air things. Uh, the horse is talking to the boy in this one particular quote. And the boy says to the horse, I can't see my way. And he's talking about looking through the, the forest. And he goes, can you see your next step? And the boy says, yes. And he goes, well, then just take that. And it's like, right. You know, and I'm like 50. And I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. And I'm in the office by myself. Right. You know, like <laughs> what is happening? But, what, what, but to hear that again at the appropriate time. And that's what all this is about. Are are we, are we learning based? Are we able to stay curious and be open to new experiences and the understanding that employing help and employing others and leverage through others, right? You can go fast alone or you can go further with others. And and which, which, you know, which trip do you want to be
0: on? I totally, I totally agree. Um, and, And I love the simplicity of that book. Number four is actually is actually one that you alluded to earlier. And, mm. and, and the fourth lie is that willpower is always on call. Yep. Um, <laughs> speak a little bit to 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 the lie that is uh, that 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 we can summon willpower uh, at will um, yeah. and 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 use it whenever whenever we need it to be used. Why wow. is why is why is the fact that willpower is always on call? Why is that a lie?
1: I think, you know, in both conversations, I was always fascinated and I did, I, you know, I, I have done this, but I've always struggled with it. I'm always fascinated by the person in the winter in New England who leaves their office, drives home, gets changed while they're smelling the crock pot full of food, gets changed and then leaves their house again in inclement weather to go to any one of our friends at, at, you know, uh, I I say with love, uh, planet fatness or wherever you might go to gym, Right that that is a to me is an immense amount of willpower to go home see your family be warm smell the crockpot get changed and then leave the house again to go work out most people would contend you're doing this first thing in the morning if you can do this first thing in the morning that's when you have uh, you know your batteries charged physically uh, the world has not punched you in a f- in the face yet and and most importantly and they talk about this it's called the millionaire hour right the millionaire mindset is if you can do what's most important to you before the rest of the world comes into your life throughout the day as time bandits and energy vampires, why wouldn't you? So you're getting up and you're meditating. Uh, you're checking the Asian stock exchange. Like you're doing whatever you do, deep knee bends, whatever's most important. That time is yours. Nobody knows. Nobody nobody, nobody, would, nobody would even think, oh, it's 4.30, I'll call Lindsay. Like they're just not going to do that. They're, the interceptors always come in later in the day. So to be able to do your one thing and certainly have that hour to yourself, uh, and this is a great quote from, father Faye from college a thousand years ago. If you don't take one day off, you'll take every day off. And if we don't, if, if you don't at some point during the day say, Hey, I had my hour this morning. I had my time this morning and now it's important for me to, to lean into my professional commitments and then go home and be the, the best I can be for my family, which is a challenge for most people. And that's why it's so important that you did give yourself that time. Cause you know, energy begets energy. And if you mentally are checked in because you did have your time and for a lot of athletes, you 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 did some physical activity and now that's probably going to set your mind right to eat better so you don't erode what you just did. Um, I, I think people think that they can sort of plug back in or I'll do it later. It's to eat the vegetable, eat the frog, right? Eat the vegetables first and just and just do, do the hard stuff first. Do the 20% first and the 80% will show up.
0: And you know, I think that I, it's going to be there later is a fallacy. It's I think a it's. Lie. I, I think the analogy that, uh, that, that the authors use in the book is a really good one. And that is thinking about your willpower as like the, like the battery indicator on your cell yeah. phone. When you get up first thing in the morning, after it's been plugged in and charged mm-hmm. all night, right, you got, you got, you got, you got all the bars, you got yep. full, you got full battery. Well, as the, as the morning proceeds uh, mm-hmm. into afternoon, uh, and you, you, and you're carrying your phone around, mm-hmm. uh, your, your battery, uh, begins your battery life begins to diminish That's yeah some point you know you've got one battery bar left it is it it, the the point i I believe uh of the authors is that um with respect to productivity be productive when you have full battery power Mm -hmm. in this case battery Mm -hmm. power equates to willpower um i mean i think the i think the other point is that a couple other points um and that is um you know not not to spread your willpower too thin. In other words, this gets back to our earlier conversation. That is um, you know, not 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 draining your willpower mm-hmm. battery life on things mm-hmm. that don't matter. Yeah. Um I I mean I think that's I think that's what he's I think how much your
1: battery do you spend on dump? <laughs> right? Uh, yes. And delegate. Yes. When it should have only been due. Yes. Right. And yeah. and the other example they use Chris in there is the uh they they use the story of the Israeli judicial system, which is brilliant, and they 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 did a study, and when they had people coming up for parole, um, at first thing in the morning, when the judge was full of uh, lox and bagels, and uh, fresh espresso, uh, he or she's in a great mood, and uh, people getting paroled was at, you know at its highest, and that it would languish, and by nine fifty nine you're getting sent back to jail, and then at ten fifteen when he or she came out of their uh, out of their um out of their office. And they had their morning snack. Um, they had their, their graham cracker and their espresso again. People are getting paroled again. And it, but that bit, that's that 10-minute nap or that's charging your phone in the car or whatever. So, but watching how it just happens in a completely different arena, but people behave differently. And when you're calling to set appointments, I want to get a hold of people when they're at their best, when they haven't been punched in the face. You know, I mean, calling, calling somebody at eight thirty at night saying, Mr. Lindsay, do you need some new steak knives, you know, or calling just to sell me steak knives when you haven't even found out if I eat meat or have hands, right. You know, it's just not a great practice, but if I'm getting engaged with people first thing in the morning and we're in alignment because everybody's in a good place because nobody's been kicked in the face yet. And at the same time, going and being around and grabbing that energy, you talk about the battery dying when you're letting the time bandits and the energy vampires come into your life they will by proxy just drain your battery faster it's like being at a convention and your phone is looking for 4g 5g 2g the wi-fi and it's just the battery's draining because it's searching it's searching for clear skies and it's in a steel building and it's just it's draining faster because the good energy can't get to it and that happens for us as well
0: yeah so i, I, I Interesting enough, I I think I think you just answered my follow up question because my follow up question was going to be this. Well, first, a statement. And that is that, um, I mean, the way this is presented, it is, you know, do your one thing first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Right. When you're when you're when Mm -hmm. when you're when when you're when your willpower battery meter is at full strength, except the truth is uh, or the reality is that for a lot of people, that's that's not that's not possible. In other words, they, they can't do their. Thirty-minute run first thing mm-hmm. in the morning. They've sure. got to do it in the sure. afternoon. Um, so the th- the question is: in those circumstances in which you you can't, for instance, be productive first thing in the morning, how do you? And I, you just answered it. <laughs> but how do you preserve your battery life so that so that you do have willpower at? 5 30 PM. Uh, when you, when you finally roll into your garage after Mm. working a full day and Mm -hmm. you still have got to get your 30 minute run in, Mm. um, how do you, how do you assure that you've got at least one or two bars on your, on your battery meter, your willpower meter left at the end of the day? I think this is where we go to progress, not perfection. And, and you know,
1: even if you're not going to get the 30 in or the 60 or lift all the weights or, or do all the burpees, um, can you at least stay on task and you, you chipped away at it, right? There was a, um, we have an event at our company called, um, uh, family reunion, where we, in February, we go to a certain location. The last couple of years, it's been hybrid or digital because of COVID. And they had on a young man. I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. They had on a young man, uh, who, um, uh, has down syndrome and he had told his parents at one point, he's probably in his early twenties, told his parents at one point, I'm going to do an iron man. And um, they sought to find him a coach. They found him a coach. Um, he crushed his He's on his 15th. Now he's like, you know, just crushing them now. Um, and his dad gave him the mantra of 1% better. And I think that this is where most people uh, fail to remember um, or get, we get in our heads and we, we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in five. Right. You know, and like there's such expansive growth and just like, don't lay it on so thick. Just can, can you just move the needle tomorrow? Can you do the thing to your point? It's not about the 66 days. Can you commit to tomorrow? Right. The horse talking to the boy, can you take the one step and then tomorrow take the one step again. Right. And it's, and it's, it's going to be about realignment every day too, because your head's not going to be in the right space, but can you just commit to the activity of laying your clothes out, to go for the run. And if it doesn't go perfectly, you still did it. You were still in the arena, right. You know, to go back to Tom Brady, the man in the arena, like you're still, you're still doing the damn thing. And if you're doing that, it's gonna be very, very difficult to get way off track because you know, as a coach, especially with athletes, the atrophy that sneaks in in seconds, how much time it takes to build muscle as opposed to atrophy, it can happen overnight. And that happens up here so quickly. And it's back to mindset, Chris. I think it's, it's in your head. Are you also employing the help of your family? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? I know you're going to go to the gym if your friend's meeting you at 430. It's easy to go to the gym or not go to the gym because nobody was meeting you. It was probably going to suck. You know, the, the no buts instead of the yes and. Right. You're going to the gym. Yes. And Chris is meeting me. Right. Yes. And he'll kill me. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> the,
0: plus it up. Employ help. Figuratively, figuratively yeah. speaking, uh, the, the the fifth lie is, is is actually the most common one that I I, I have to help mm. athletes overcome, mm-hmm. and that is because it, it I, I hear athletes use the expression of "I have to find balance." the 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 fifth lie is the lie of a balanced life, mm-hmm. and again, of of all of the of all of the six lies that that Keller lays out as a preface to the truth. Um, this is the one that I spend the most time helping people redirect on. Mm. Um, so what, wh- why, why is living a balanced life? Why is the search for a balanced life a lie? It's impossible. I shouldn't say impossible. It's the wrong word to use in
1: front of you. And, um, it, that is a fallacy. If you, if you have people, and we usually do this when we teach this book, when we teach certain portions of certain classes at Keller I would ask everybody in the room to stand up. So if you're listening right now and you can stand up and, and for me, even as a righty, I would stand on my left leg, but stand on one leg. And if you stand on one leg, are you balanced or balancing? You're never balanced. It is not happening. You're never balanced. And the, one of the best quotes, and he's got so many, and one of my favorite quotes from Jack Welch, who we just lost last year, great guy was the CEO of GE for years um he had a great quote a long time ago um our businesses will rise and fall on the content and frequency of our conversations probably stolen but i heard him say it last so i'm going to give it to him he was on stage with gary Vaynerchuk, and gary v is uh he's got a huge media company uh moved from belarus uh years ago when he was like five he's on stage with jack welch and somebody in the crowd i don't know where they were like some big convention and they're both on stage. And Jack Welch is like Sands of Belt slacks in a Brooks Brothers shirt. Gary V's hat on backwards, K-Swiss, you know, the whole thing. And somebody asked about um, a life, work-life balance. And you thought for sure Gary's going to take it and like rifle four F-bombs around the boards, right? And and Jack's like, I'll take this. And I was like, ooh. And Jack leans forward, he goes, it's bullshit. And it is, because it, it is a series of choices and I just had this conversation with Aiden the other day. Um, he's got a, a prom and a conflict with a lacrosse game. Your, um, your son. Aiden. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and I said to him, the rest of your natural life is going to be decisions between your professional life and your familial life. And every day we make a choice. And I go back to Steve Jobs all the time. God bless him. When he got back to Apple, he said the, the things that I the, the thing I was most proud of on my return to Apple were all the things I said no to. Right. Cause he got back and they were making apple toast and apple this and apple that. Apple toast is actually delicious. Um, but yeah, they were making all the things. And he got it down to what we know now, right? The, the earbuds, the phone, the whole nine yards. Um, and I think if you're saying yes to something in your professional life, you're saying no to something in your family life and vice versa. So it is just every day you're making a decision. I, you know, and I don't have to leave work early today because. Co Brown's playing at Portsmouth, but I'm staying later, making the choice to stay later at the office. And then I'll be over there for 630. But there are days later in the week and for the rest of this month that I will leave the office earlier to be at Co Brown in time to watch him play at home. And I have obviously the flexibility in my schedule to do so, but I'm choosing not to book that appointment later in the day to be on the road. I can talk to people on the phone and I probably will. But every day you're just making choices that the the thought of a balanced life, anybody who's looking to do that is out of their natural mind. And it's it's not a thing. Yeah. You know, give yourself the grace to understand it's about choices every day.
0: The conversation that I typically have with my athletes um, and the redirection that that I I attempt to make with my athletes when they lament um, that, that they, they don't have the balance in their life that, mm-hmm. that, that, that they feel like they need, mm-hmm. uh, is that, is that I remind them that, that there really are only four important things. There are four things that, uh, if we, if we attend to and nurture consistently will result in us feeling as though we are living a fulfilled life. And those mm-hmm. four things are, um, our family, mm-hmm. our health. And for me, I like to clarify that as your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, mm-hmm. your friends, and your integrity, right? Well, people then, then they say they then 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 usually people argue. Well, what about my job? Why isn't my job one of the one of the most important things in my life? Why isn't my job one of the things that helps me to lead a fulfilled life? Um, you know, and, and 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 typically the redirection is, um, you know, we 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 work to live rather than live to work. Ultimately. You know, when 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 you are on your deathbed, you know, yeah. you are not going to be thinking about, you know, uh, the most successful project that you ever that, that you ever that you ever led at work. Mm-hmm. You're going to be thinking about your family. Yeah. You're going to be thinking yeah. about 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 your friends. The five you're regrets of think- dying. Yes. That, yeah, yep. that's yep. right. That's so. So for me, the redirection for folks is rather than searching for for balance in your life, mm. attend to those four things. And make sure that that you're attending to those four things, your family, your health, your friends and your integrity. Now, mm-hmm. the point being that you don't necessarily have to give equal time to all four of those things simultaneously, because there will always be times in your life in which one of those four things requires more energy. Sure. And that's and that's entirely appropriate. There are times in which your family is going to require the majority of your focus, attention and energy. Yeah. Um and, and, and it, that's, that's perfectly reasonable so long as you, as you never lose sight of the other three things and that you yeah. return to nurturing those other three things as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your thought about, about, about that approach that, that, that I use?
1: Well, I would build, to your point, you build a moat around those and you guard them with your life, right? Like that's what it comes down to. I, I think I love, love, love this quote. So I'm going to give you uh, James Patterson. I'm sure you've heard this one before. Great author, James Patterson. Uh, you'll soon understand that work is a rubber ball and it talks about the five balls in life, right? Um, the, the other four balls are family, health, friends, and um, it says spirit. Yes. Sorry. Family, friends, health, and spirit. It's written weird. I apologize. I'm reading off the intertubes. Um, they're all made of glass. Um, if you drop one of those, they will be irre- irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged, uh, or even shattered beyond repair. Um, they will never be the same. You must understand that and strive for it. So work. And, and I'm fortunate enough to be at a company where I didn't know this when I first joined Keller, um, but I came in uh, my first day and looked up and in our lobby, it says God family business. Um, and do we practice that perfectly every day? Spoiler alert. No, uh, nobody's perfect with that. Right. We're making choices every day. Uh, But that that quote from Patterson, too, is so important, like work is always going to be there. Nobody is going to be, to your point on the deathbed, if you ever read the five the five um, regrets of the dying. uh, I forget the author's name. They worked at a hospice. They literally wrote this book while they were working in a hospice, dealing with putting people, um, you know, onto peace every day. And nobody said. My God, if I had just stayed till 520 on that Thursday in 1978, everything would have been better. Like, no, it's never that. It's never that. And we struggle because think about the time you spend, like today, after being asleep for eight hours, the majority of my day, I got here at about 730. I'm going to hang here doing stuff until 6 or so because I'm going across the street for the lacrosse game. I will see a fractionalized moment in time with my family tonight. You know, so what do we identify as Monday through Friday, physically here, I identify as employee slash coach. So we're really proud of that. We want to do well with that. And we think that that extra minute that God's watching or Oprah, whoever's up there watching you do, do your thing, it's more important than getting home to your family. And it's not spoiler alert. And I'm saying this now and I'm hearing this and I'll still misbehave. And I'll still stay, stay late to work on this or do that or take this one call and and just guarding our time. So those four categories that you talked about, build a moat around them, guard them with your life. And if you can do that, um, you're gonna you're gonna upset some people. Gary talks about this all the time about the d- discipline thing. He's like he's like people think that I'm a jackass. I just don't settle. If you have standards and you protect your standards people are not going to be in love with you. If you make a choice that you're going to lose weight, well, that's probably going to happen when you stop going to the bakery and stop going out for drinks with your friends. Okay, so your friends that like craft beer and brownies might think that you're dissing them. No, you're working on you. And I think we're very fortunate to be on the other side of 50, and I don't care anymore. But in your 20s, 30s and 40s, you lean into that and you're like, oh, my God, what are people thinking? They're not thinking about you. They're thinking yeah. about their stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, that's what I refer to as integrity, meaning mm-hmm. if, if, if I say to myself that I am going to do something, mm-hmm. then it, I, I, I owe it to myself to make sure that happens. Same thing, by the way, if I tell you, Tim, um, I'll come over and get your lawn mowed this weekend because I know you're going to be out of town. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to hold myself to that. Yeah. Uh, that I mean that, that for me that's an expression of integrity um, th- the last one number six let's let's finish with let's finish with this one. I love this one too. Uh, in fact th- there's an acronym that I'm sure you've heard of that I I, I will I, I will share with you that that uh, uh, that a client shared with me that I I, I do use quite often mm. so the six the sixth lie is that big is bad mm. <laughs> well, why is it? Why is it Tim that we've been conditioned to think small? Yeah, well ego comes into play, right?
1: From a from a from a business standpoint ego comes into play because people immediately think, well if it gets bigger it's going to I'm going to have to leverage with people and then it's going to be out of my hands. And most of our, you know, if you if if anybody studies the DISC assessment with the DISC, the high D is the person that they 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 want to be in control. They don't want to. They, they they don't want to do the paperwork. Trust me. But they want to be in control. So a, a lot of people that are business people, as soon as they start to grow, they realize, oh, I'm gonna to have to bring in some other people. Well, this is problematic for me. Or my word that I made up in the last six months, problematic. Write it down. Um, this is problematic for me because because now uh, they're gonna be working with Chris or they're gonna be working with Alana. And if we're, they're working with somebody else, no, my people only want to work with me. Back to Gary, do you have standards? Right. I, I want to grab it so bad because I have a Funko pop of uh, of uh, Colonel Sanders. I have in my office on purpose, the Colonel's dead, the chicken tastes the same because he wrote down the 11 herbs and spices. And he found people who will uphold his standard and make it the same. Right. So the Colonel's chicken everywhere on planet America tastes the same because they've adopted a standard. They make it the same way. So can you recreate that? So I think as people start to think big is bad, a lot of people like to throw around Walmart and, and all these big companies. And yes, maybe you don't love Walmart, but Walmart serves and helps more people get the goods they need back to their house on a regular basis than anybody else. Amazon, big is bad. It's game changing. Amazon's at our house every day. Hi, Janina. I love you too. Right. You know, I mean, without fail. And I think certainly uh, for, for our little company that could, starting back in 83 at KW... Uh, and now, uh, boots on the ground in North America, the largest brokerage. And people, just, and, and we'll hear people say, oh, KW, it's huge. They're like the Walmart of real estate, this, that, and the other thing. Well, we've also, in real estate, in our business, you get paid in direct correlation to the amount of people that you help. And our size allows us to help more people. And, and, and the struggle with big is bad is if you're an athlete thinking small, well, the 5K, that's good the marathon, that kind of big is bad. Or what will I have to do? Who do I have to become? Right. That's the whole B do achieve. Like who do I have to become to be that person that's going to run Boston? Who do I have to become to be the person that's going to do the 48 four case? And that's where people get fear in. And, and, it's just easy to be like, yeah, but I wanted the time they tell themselves all the reasons they could never do the 48 four case or, or, or Redline bear brook. My wife's a maniac and she's, done I think she finished this past weekend maniac right, right? Yeah, so right. It, it, I think the fear that the, the fear that most people go through is who do I need to become to do that and then verbalizing that a lot of people made goals on December 31st didn't tell a soul it's when you tell somebody I'm gonna do X y and Z right
0: yeah with, 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 with my athletes interestingly enough um, we <laughs> on, on, on January 1st um, I had a note for them in training peaks for mm-hmm. them to list their, uh, their B hags, their big, hairy, audacious goals. Mm-hmm. Now I, that, that stolen from a client of mine named Frank, um, mm-hmm. who, <laughs> who described B hags, his B hag to me, he was talking about it, uh, earlier that fall. And I thought, you know what, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to steal that. Uh, and so I, I, I talked about that with, with my, with my athletes, think big, what, what mm-hmm. are your B hags? And, mm-hmm. and by the way, I think, I think, I I think I think sometimes um, we can we can get into this comparison game. Right. And we can we can diminish we can diminish our potential by thinking, well, you know, Tim Lindsay, he runs marathons. There's no way I can run a marathon. So, you know, is a is running a 10K really a big, hairy, audacious goal? Well, running a 10K could be if you don't run. Right. So. So I think I think sometimes we. We 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 get trapped into this uh, this this concept of comparison, right? Mm. And and we don't we can tend to diminish what is big, hairy, audacious, and 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 uh, you know and and big, hairy, and audacious for us because we're comparing ourselves to other people. Sure. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's we talk about that all the time um, with our businesses is don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. And especially in, in the last couple of years with COVID, um, I think, you know, the everybody's wearing a smile, right? But we've seen mental health, unfortunately, take take its toll and take some lives. And I think, you know, if 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 you're looking for help with your goals, ask somebody. If you're the smartest person at the table, find a smarter table, like move tables, right? And if you and and Lewis and Clark it. You know, and the and the greatest thing is that's the benefit when when people realize the power of the relationship with you as a coach is you are talking to when you're talking to John Q citizen, um, you're coming off a call with one person. How rude you're coming off a call with one person and you're moving into a conversation with the next. But you can bring the knowledge from your last conversation to the next person. And it's the greatest existence of crowdsourcing is coaching with a coach that has multiple clients.
0: Like that's the benefit of it all, quite honestly. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's so true. Well, Tim, um, I I really appreciate um, you. uh, That's the front desk. My car is getting towed. I'm just kidding. I have no idea who it is. I I really (laughs) (laughs) appreciate
1: my director (laughs) of operations. She's like, you're done. I really,
0: I really, I really appreciate uh, the the time today to go over those, to go over those lies Um, in part two we'll talk about the truth uh, and extraordinary results. Uh, Let's, let's, let's plan, let's, let's plan to, uh, to do that, uh, to do that show soon.
1: I love it. I love talking, uh, and I love the one thing. So it's, it's, it's a marriage made in heaven.
0: Well, again, I, I really appreciate your time and, uh, and, uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Now I think you understand why I asked him to be on the show to talk about productivity. Like literally, he lives and breathes it professionally every day. You know, the the six lies that Keller talks about are such a great place foundationally um, to, to, to begin this conversation about producing extraordinary results. And Tim, he's so spot on. How often is our list of can'ts twice as long as our list of cans? Now that we've covered the lies, I'm really eager to dive into both the truth and the secrets to producing extraordinary results on the next show. So tune in next week for part two. If you liked what you heard, please consider giving the show a follow. And if you really liked what you heard, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J Dunn. so make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, Walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.